Thank you for tuning in to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to a church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. We would love for you to join us. Stay tuned this summer as we have some big announcements coming up about the future of Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Good morning, Collective. Today, we're closing out our series called Ordinary People, which has been all about the impact of people who are just like you and me. And each week, we learned about someone from the Bible that you might not have ever heard of before, someone who is behind the scenes, someone who often gets overlooked, but someone whose impact is still felt today. And if you've listened to the messages over the past few weeks, I'm sure you noticed that the series has really been about ordinary men, because everyone we have talked about has been a dude. And the truth is, there aren't many women mentioned in the Bible. This isn't because Jesus didn't value women. During Jesus's life, he refused to treat women as inferior. Given the decidedly negative cultural view of women in Jesus's time, the writers of the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each testify to Jesus treating women with respect and dignity. So in the Bible, there are multiple women who play big roles. Jesus's mother, Mary, who gave birth to the savior of the world, Mary Magdalene, who was part of the group of women who were the first to see the tomb of Jesus and that it was empty after he resurrected from the dead. Esther, who saved the Israelite people. But these aren't ordinary women. They aren't ordinary people. So today we're talking about a woman from the Bible that you probably have never heard of before, but one who had a huge impact. Instead of teaching on this woman, which feels a little cliche, today Maggie Wells will be sharing with us. Maggie is a leader at Collective and a great one at that. She shared on Mother's Day in 2019, but today is the first time she's teaching a whole sermon. So let's give it up for Maggie. A few weeks ago, SpaceX launched the Falcon 9 rocket into space. This was the first trip in almost a decade for US astronauts. Even in the midst of a pandemic, the event drew an enormous crowd down in Cape Canaveral. For over 60 years, the U.S. has been working on different projects and missions to have a presence in space. In 1962, when President Kennedy was urging the U.S. and NASA to put a man on the moon, a group of incredibly bright women were working as computers. I'm not talking about a Mac or a PC. These women who worked as computers manually performed complex mathematical calculations for the program's engineers. Their job was to ensure the safety of the astronauts as they began space travel. When you hear or you think about the race to space in the 1960s, who comes to mind? Most likely you think of people like Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin or who I sometimes call Buzz Lightyear because, you know, kids, or maybe John Glenn. But what about the name Katherine Johnson? Unless you've read the book or seen the movie Hidden Figures, her name probably doesn't ring a bell. And to be honest, I hadn't heard of her until a few years ago when we showed the movie to our fifth grade students, trying to encourage our female students to take an interest in science and math. From a very young age, it was clear that Catherine was incredibly intelligent. She began high school at the age of 10, and by 18, had bachelor's degrees in both mathematics and French. Catherine was a brilliant mathematician, and she began her career as a school teacher at a segregated school in Virginia. But in 1952, she began working as a computer at NASA's all-black West Area Computing Section at their Langley branch. 
Amongst her peers, Catherine stood out not only because of her intelligence, but also because of her nature to question things and try to find out how things worked. Despite being a black woman during a time where both her race and gender would have been seen as a hindrance, Catherine began making traction at her job. She did this because she worked on the trajectory analysis for the flight of Freedom 7, where Alan Shepard was the first person from the US to travel into space. She confirmed the numbers for John Glenn's historic orbit of Earth in 1962 and went on to work on the calculations that determined where and when the Apollo 11 rocket would take off. Without Catherine's work, who knows where the race to the moon would have looked like. While newspaper headlines may focus on people in the spotlight, it's often the people in the background who truly make those headlines happen. As Michael mentioned, today we're wrapping up our series called Ordinary People. Throughout this series, we've been taking a look at people in the Bible who are seemingly ordinary that God used to do some really big things. If you read through the Bible, there are some very strong females throughout history in both the New and Old Testament. Some of these women have books of the Bible dedicated to telling their stories, but the woman that we're learning about today doesn't have a book that meant about her. She didn't spend time with Jesus. In fact, she only has a few verses that even mention she existed. Her name was Jehoshaphat. To be honest, before Michael asked me to speak and choose a woman to speak on, I had never learned about Jehoshaphat, and I certainly didn't know how to say her name. But without her, Christianity as we know it today wouldn't be the same. We wouldn't be followers of Jesus. A few weeks ago, CT shared about Samuel and how he anointed David as king. This is essential to us today because of a prophecy, a promise from God, that was made stating that God would send a savior through the line of David. Today, we'll see how Jehoshaphat, this woman mentioned in so very few verses, had an incredible impact on the lineage of David and on Christianity today. Jehoshaphat's story takes place generations after David's rule over Israel. It's written in 2 Samuel 7 that during David's rule, God promised him that his line would have no end and that a savior or Messiah would come through his line and rescue all of humanity. Today, we're gonna to take a look at a passage from 2 Chronicles, which is in the Old Testament. At this point in the story, a man named Jehu was anointed king of Israel. He was on a mission to take out any king who wasn't following God's way. One of those rulers was King Ahaziah, the king of Judah. We learn in 2 Chronicles 22 that King Ahaziah was killed by Jehu. So let's start reading in verse 10. When Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of Judah's royal family. Can we just stop there for a minute? Athaliah was Ahaziah's mother. This woman destroyed her grandchildren. She waited to make sure that her son was dead and then ordered his children to be killed. Athaliah wanted to secure power for herself, and that meant that any heir to the throne was a threat and had to be killed. The story continues with the introduction of Jehoshaphat, who was the sister of King Ahaziah. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash in his, and his nurse in a bedroom. In this way, Jehoshaphat, wife of Jehoiada the priest, and sister of Ahaziah, hid the child so that Athaliah could not murder him. Joash remained hidden in the temple of God for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. This was an incredible risk to take, but Jehoshaphat saves her youngest nephew, Joash, and hides him and his nurse. 
This isn't a one-time risk and it's over type situation. She and her husband hid Joash for six years. We're talking about keeping a child secret for six years. Six years. We've been more or less quarantined since March. And I can tell you that staying inside with a three and a half year old and now a two month old is not an option. Every day, my son Jude wants to go outside and play. He wants to ride his bike. He wants to go for walks. I cannot imagine how challenging this was. This was a calculated decision made by Jehoshaphat. She saw something happening that was wrong and she decided to do something about it. I wanna take a look at two things specifically in her story. The first is Jehoshaphat was bold. Again, she saw something wrong happening and she decided to do something about it. Her example is something that I think we should all strive towards. Taking risks and being bold aren't easy tasks. It is so much easier to stick to comfort rather than stick out our necks, even when we know something needs to be done. When we find ourselves in these kinds of scenarios, it's so easy to just put up blinders and pretend that everything's fine because perception is reality. If everything looks fine, then it must be, right? Why bother ruffling feathers when we can just continue life as it's been? I'll be completely honest and say that this was my mentality for a really long time. I love stability, and I used to do whatever I had to to keep the peace. And it took me being in counseling to realize that this stability I'd been trying to hold on to wasn't a healthy way of living, especially when I knew that there were areas in my life that needed bold action. Jehoshaphat knew that she could not just stand by and watch Athaliah steal the throne and kill all of Ahaziah's children. Jehoshaphat's life wasn't at risk before she made this decision, but she knew what was right and that a corrupt ruler was not what was best for Judah. She knew that she had to take a risk. One of our core values here at Collective is faith that's bold. Now, that doesn't mean that those of us who call Collective home are perfect at this. It's something we strive for, not because we want people to notice us, but we're given opportunities for God to show up and do only what he can do. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-confidence. I am not a bold person by nature, but when I rely on God, I'm capable of doing so much more than I could have on my own. When we choose to rely on God, we don't have to live out of fear. When we as a church decide to take action and support our local community, we rely on God to provide opportunities where we can show up and show this city what God's love and his heart for this city looks like. Creating new relationships with organizations takes risk. Asking people to join us at a local grocery store and help feed hungry kids is a risk. We have to trust that people will show up and do something that we feel God wants us to be a part of. Donating to a local organization each time a first-time guest comes to Collective instead of just giving them a personal gift is a risk but it's worth it. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 3. He writes, since this new way, and by new way, he's talking about the life with Jesus. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We make bold decisions and take risks because we believe that God can do so much more with these steps than we can as people. And we trust that he'll do just that. Jehoshaphat did not have the example of Jesus to look toward when making her decision to save Joash's life. But her husband, Jehoiada, was a priest in the temple, and they partnered together to take this big risk. God was using them and their position in life to continue his bigger plan. 
The second thing I want to point out is that Jehoshaphat had no way of knowing the major impact that her decision to save Joash would have on the rest of eternity. But she and her husband, Jehoiada, knew that the line of David had to be saved. In that moment, something had to be done, and that's all that mattered. As the story continues, Joash had been in hiding for six years until Jehoiada called upon several army commanders to help reinstate Joash to the throne. In 2 Chronicles 23, it states, They all gathered at the temple of God, where they made a solemn pact with Joash, the young king. Jehoiada said to them, Here is the king's son. The time has come for him to reign. The Lord has promised that a descendant of David will be our king. God promised that a descendant of David, that a descendant of his, would rule the throne forever. This is a prophecy regarding Jesus. Jehoshaphat's decision to save Joash meant saving the line of David that would lead to Jesus. This decision isn't one that Jehoshaphat made lightly. She wasn't driven by impulse. It took a lot of thoughtful planning to hide her nephew and his nurse for six years while Athaliah ruled Judah. It took boldness. Our actions have ripple effects, whether we choose to acknowledge that or not. In in Jehoshaphat's case, the result of her actions was that David's lineage was saved. Jehoshaphat didn't get to experience the benefit of her decisions, but here we are, over 2,000 years later, reaping the benefit of her decision. When we really take a step back and look at our lives, we can begin to connect the dots and see how different events and decisions impact one another. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, but wisdom is proved right by all her children. We have to ask ourselves, what sort of impact do we wanna have? What sort of impact do we want to have? And is that the impact we're already having? If the answer to that second question is no, then what steps are needed to get you there? No matter how young or old we are, our decisions are shaping our lives and the lives around us. This is what Jesus is referring to. Wise choices leave a positive impact not only in our lives, but in the lives around us. Life happens, and obstacles are sure to come our way. Jesus even promises that we'll have trouble in our lifetime. But the question remains, what do we do in those times? How do we let our challenges work for our benefit and the benefit of others? Maybe life hasn't been all that difficult. Your decisions still impact what comes next. How do you want to be remembered? What impact do you want to have on your family, your friends, your community? A little over four years ago, my husband Chris and I bought our home in downtown Frederick. The only people we knew in the city at the time were the Bartlett's. While on Sunday mornings, it's super easy for me to go around and meet new people, this is not how I felt when we were meeting our neighbors. Meeting neighbors feels way more vulnerable to me, but it's super easy for Chris. He can talk to anyone. Over the years, we've met most of the people on our street, and we can comfortably hold some short conversation, but it really took this pandemic to stretch me out of my comfort zone. If we're friends on Facebook, you know that I post about two things most often, our kids and collective. But during the Won't You Be My Neighbor series, Chris and I really felt strongly about engaging with our neighbors more. At the start of the stay-at-home order, we would go outside every night during the hospital shift change and bang pans and pots with our neighbors and thank the healthcare workers exiting and entering the hospital. After that sort of fizzled, we decided to make a Facebook page so that our block could engage more. And to be honest, even that made me nervous. 
My husband isn't on Facebook, so every post came from me. But it brought people together. Soon people were posting pictures of their families and introducing themselves on the page. And a few weeks later, we were challenged to throw the social distance happy hour. And I cannot tell you how awesome it was. We had over 20 people out on our sidewalk meeting and catching up. We have neighbors who've lived on the same block for over 15 years, and they had that opportunity as the first time to engage in real conversation. We've been able to share Mother's Day flowers with the moms on our block, and some of them even know that the flowers come from Collective because of me resharing posts. It felt risky and vulnerable at the time, but new relationships have formed. We've had neighbors watch Collective online, and I'm hopeful that as time continues that we'll build these relationships so that we can share more about our faith. And when this is all over, I look forward to having the opportunity to have them over for dinner. Throughout his life, Jesus boldly engaged with people who were written off by society. He ate meals with them, shared life with them, and showed them a better way of living. He extended both grace and truth to everyone he came into contact with. He gave so many people the opportunity to experience the love of God when society's standards had deemed them unworthy. The life and sacrifice of Jesus are the reasons why I'm standing here today. And they are the reasons why I'm so thankful to call Collective Home, because it's a church that extends that same love to all people and to this city that my family has grown to love. It's incredible that the actions of a woman whose name is found in less than five verses makes all of this possible. Over 2,000 years after Jehoshaphat's brave decision, we are able to find relationship with God through Jesus because this woman was willing to risk her life and save the life of an infant. We can have eternal life through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and endless second chances through God's grace. So what do we do with this? How do we respond? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, it's a good time to pause and take a look at the impact your choices are having in life so far. Are you having the impact you want to? If not, what steps do you need to take? When others think of you, what comes to mind? How are you playing a role in your community? With everything we have going on right now, there are opportunities for action. What steps can you take to pause? positively impact those around you, your neighbors, local businesses, organizations? How can you get involved? Now, this doesn't mean that you have to go out of your way and do something that you normally wouldn't do, but what risks are you willing to take? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd say that even just checking out Collective is a bold step. During a time when we can't physically be together, taking the time to watch Collective online is a really big deal because that means that you're at least willing to take a look at what it looks like to follow Jesus. One thing that I love about Collective is that you can belong before you believe. Collective is a church that takes action and we would love for you to be a part of it. Amazing things are accomplished by ordinary people every day people who are often overlooked or discredited simply because of who they are. You can make an impact in the circles you are a part of, your family, your friends, your street, at work, in our community. We saw this with Jehoshaphat. She was bold. She took action. She took a risk. And her actions have ripple effects that have lasted thousands of years you can make a difference too. Be bold. Take action. The decisions we make today will have ripple effects for years to come.
God loves using ordinary people to do great things, and he can with you too. Let's pray. Hey, God, we just uh, we come to you this morning just so grateful for the examples that we have learned about over these past few weeks. God, it is so amazing that you use ordinary people just like us to do incredible things to show your love and to give people the opportunity to experience your grace. And God, I just pray that in this time when things are really uncertain and life is really hard, um, that we will not shy away from opportunities to be bold, that we will take action and that we will look to you to guide the things that we're making decisions about. God, it's so humbling to be a part of a church that works so hard to love people, to love this city, and just to show people who you are. And so God, I pray that we would take this opportunity, ordinary people, people who are just going about their everyday lives, that we could be a really strong uh, part of this community and that we can do something really great for you. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.